0: Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we head into a holiday on Thursday and a shortened trade on Friday, the market's definitely doing their best to stay in the red. We're going to talk about some of the struggles that happened within our grain complex today, including some things outside of our borders. We'll talk about China and Brazilian beans, dry weather in Brazil, and other factors that are weighing in. As Arlen Suderman joins us today, Arlen is with Stonex. And Arlen, I, I kind of miss the fact that we're not in Kansas City and you're sitting right next to me to have this conversation. But uh, great insight that you shared with us last week. And as we jumped into this week, the bean setbacks just continue to roll.
1: Yeah, um, as we look at soybean market, it's just very weather dependent out of South America. And so if the weather forecasts have rain in it, then we get a sell-off or if there's any uh, reports of better than expected yields or expected yields. Or if it's hot and dry and that's the news, then we get a big rally. So a lot of volatility continuing in that market, moving in both directions. I thought what was interesting is uh, that as we went into Tuesday's trade, we started getting up there closer to that $14 level, which kind of ended the last rally that we had. We got as high as about 13.89 and ran out of buying interest at that point, and and then saw the follow through selling um, today, and and really that selling was based off of a couple of statements from private estimates. One was a agriconsult, which is a private advisory service in Brazil. And the other was from somebody in ADM Brazil's operation. And both of them talking about record soybean production this year, maybe off of what they may have thought previous to the season starting. So not saying that there's no damage down there, but still saying that with the increased acreage that's been planted to soybeans and with those areas that have had rain, we could still make a new record for total production down there. And while we at StoneX had a record production estimate first November, I anticipate that will come down when we release our next customer survey um, a week from Friday on December first. Um, but still, we're anticipating that we're going to be looking at a pretty good sized crop. Now, the question is: Is it going to come down enough to increase U.S. exports, requiring rationing of our? supply remaining supply with higher prices and at this point we simply don't have evidence that that's going to be the case yet and with those two comments coming out and hitting the marketplace today indicating record production that kind of really cooled the cooled the heels so to speak of the soybean bowls thing maybe we need more data before we take this to new highs
0: So why, and I know it happens, it happens here in the States, you know, we see the constant social media uh, platform uh, of photos, but they don't tell the whole story. And you kind of had a little discussion about that going on X today.
1: Yeah, exactly right. You talk about X and a lot of people know that it's Twitter, but it's called X now. And uh, that's because, just remind people, that the central part of that center west area that we're talking about is of Grasso. You can fit about five states of Iowa inside of Mato Grasso, or it's 1.3 times the size of Texas. So you can be dry in one area and wet in another area, and they're still part of the same state, so to speak. As I talk to our people in Brazil, they'll say that you can have a farm where, that hasn't had rain in 30 days and the crops are dying. And 10 miles away, you can have a farm that's had four to five inches rain over the last month. And so you get that kind of variation. Typically, when the monsoon rains come in in October and kind of stay through April when they end, it's, it's a kind of a, a pretty steady, everybody gets rain. But the monsoons really haven't gotten started yet this year. So what you're getting is what we have in the Midwest, these pop-up thunderstorms not an organized system like a front coming through or something like that so much as uh just relative instability so you get pop-up thunderstorms and and some get it and some don't and you hope that you have enough of those to fill in the holes but not all the holes are getting filled in and even where they do get rain it's below normal because normal rainfall in november is seven inches uh normal rainfall in december is nine inches so there's we're well below normal, but we can still have enough rain for those who are lucky enough to get it to produce a crop. And that's why when we look back at the last 30 years worth of data for that center West Brazil area, it was very rare to see yields drop more than 10% from trend levels. It only happened twice. Once was an 11% decline and once was a 14% decline. And so it has to be a pretty significant event to get up more than that decline in yield. And if it's only a 10% decline this year for Brazil as a whole, um, then increased production in Argentina, plus what we have here is probably adequate to meet that global demand without increasing USDA's current export target. So that's going to be the key. Does, does the month of December give us more stress and pull yields more down by more than that 10% level. And at this point, we simply don't have evidence to say that is the case.
0: As we look at the at the big picture, and I'm reading this from your midday commentary that you send out, obviously China wants the beans from Brazil, but is it more price over quality right now? Or is it a combination of both that they keep going back to Brazil?
1: Well, they tend to be price sensitive, and a cheap currency helps them do that. But the other factor is it's not just the price buying it at the port and freight. It's also the cost of going through the Panama Canal. Anything that goes from the Gulf of Mexico has to go through the Panama Canal. And with the water levels low there now, that means extra costs and delays, and that swings the advantage to Brazil.
0: All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to come up as we get ready for the second half here of the Channel Final Bell. We'll talk about what's happening on the livestock side as well as curious about this corn market. Is it out there just doing its own kind of thing right now? More is coming up. It's the Channel Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.
1: Here's another Channel Chat where we discuss what's happening in the new Channel Seed brand across the Central Plains region. I'm Joe Gangwish. Matt McGuire is with us from Central Plains Solutions out of Wisner, Nebraska, and he talks about the merger of Fontenelle and Channel moving forward. Yeah, you know, like I said, we, you know, we're big on the crop consulting side and the agronomy side, and I think that going forward the big reason that Fontanel and Channel have merged is for the agronomy side of things and having more agronomy professionals, you know, we're going to be going from 1 on the legacy Fontanel side to I believe 12, and I think that will be a, a huge help to our customers that are looking for that uh, support on the back end when they're raising their crops. If you want more information, contact Matt with Central Plains Solutions out of Wisner or any one of your new Channel Seed professionals across Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. For Channel Seed, I'm Joe Gangwish, KRVN.
0: Welcome back once again to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stone X and Curious, is Corn just kind of doing their own corn thing at this point, not seeing a lot of strong influence from others?
1: Yeah, it really is. And, it you know, it doesn't really have a story. If you go back to the November WASDE report, USDA raised the yield, which added about 170 million bushels to the size of the crop, and USDA seemed to have to invent some demand to minimize that impact and keep ending stocks below 22 billion bushels now i did think that its increase in ethanol demand for corn was justified um the feed usage you could argue well the cattle and feed reports have been stronger but all the usda did was pull cattle oh, excuse me all, all we did with those numbers is we pulled cattle forward that doesn't necessarily mean we increase the total amount of feed that will be consumed throughout the marketing year just the timing of when it'll be consumed uh, when it comes to uh, export demand there's really not a justification at that point a lot of people have talked to me and well, what about the Safrina corn crop in brazil that's going to be a greater risk right now but we haven't even planted that crop we'll plant it till february and if it is a short crop which it may be that's not going to improve our exports until a year from now as we get into the 24 25 marketing year so the bottom line is we've got a two plus billion bushel corn surplus right now in the united states so there's not a story in corn we've come down a long ways we have a lot of speculative shorts there but nothing really to rally it occasionally we'll get a headline maybe out of the middle east or excuse me the black sea war keep my war straight here out of the black sea that might make it pop a little bit with some short covering or something like that but other than that it's it's been pretty difficult to sustain any type of rally.
0: Let's jump over to the the livestock side of the trade action and, and this cattle market definitely has been in a in a world of its own with with continued struggles. What are you seeing um, with this cattle and is it something that we just need to get post Thanksgiving to be able to to boost ourselves back up again?
1: Well, certainly so. Um, this is kind of a balancing act because when you're going to have a shortfall of production, the market has to ration demand to keep supply and demand in the balance. And one of the things we've been doing to, to keep from rationing is we've been importing a tremendous amount of beef. Um, but the market dropped dramatically there for there about a six or seven week period, took about $19, uh, off of the price because we realized we were pulling all these cattle forward again and concentrating a lot of production in a short period of time and not going to see the drop in production that we first anticipated uh, in the near term Um, but that just makes a bigger hole down the road but the market had to adjust to that in the near term increase in supply And it did so by dropping that $19. So the question is, have we accounted for that? Do we have a new area of equilibrium now until those shortages start to develop once again? And what's happening on the demand side? So that's the big question I think we start to focus more on is the demand side. We saw a consumer confidence index come out uh, today. Uh, talking about how the consumer is losing confidence in the economy because they're expecting inflation to rear its head again in the months ahead, which is a little bit surprise to the market, I think. If that's the case, we could start seeing the comp- consumer going down the value chain from beef to pork to poultry, Then as we look at the product prices for beef right now, particularly concerned about the price for beef 50s, that's what goes into fast food restaurant, uh, hamburgers, etc. And those prices are getting cheap. So does that mean we're starting to see consumers slow down their purchases at fast food restaurants? I don't know. Maybe so. Those are just some of the things that kind of raise some concerns. For now, we're kind of holding on to the recent price range we've been on over the last several weeks. Uh, looking for cash cattle trade to finish up this week, maybe a little bit weaker once again, but trying to build a base in here. We just kind of lack a little confidence. Is is this the low, or do we have some more lows to go yet?
0: And speaking of lows to go, this feeder cattle market I was reading had taken like a a forty two dollar drop. Is that sound about right for them right now?
1: A little bit surprising how sharp a drop that was, and. And that basically means that not just the consumer has some questions, but the person feeding the cattle also has some concerns. Now, you would think with cheaper feed prices, we could support that continued demand for feeder cattle. And the cattleman is the eternal optimist, right? That's what keeps them going. Um, but to see a drop of that level suggests weaker demand. And that's largely because we've got a lot of feedlots in Kansas and, and elsewhere in the plains that are full and just... Don't have spots for them, and that's the biggest problem right now. Is we've really pulled cattle forward so far, we filled up the feedlots, and we're having trouble finding spots for those calves.
0: All right, well, Arlen, I appreciate you joining us. The day ahead of Thanksgiving, just a reminder: markets will be closed tomorrow, uh, closing early on Friday. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: StoneX.com or over on X, formerly Twitter, Arlen FF one hundred and one.
0: And that's the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the World Radio Network.